passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hello, everybody. It's John Pollock and Wei Ting, and welcome to our post-daily news update. Wei and I were debating whether we would have a show today, because what would we talk about? How are you, Wei? It's never slow in the world of news and pro wrestling, and um, I mean, just in the last 24 hours, in the last, like, five hours, I feel like... There's been plenty um, to fill a week's worth of discussion. So, yeah, let's get. We're going to get right into it. Um, we're going to chat about the WWE cuts off the top because, I mean, this was uh, quite the day in WWE, and it, it extended into Friday with a lot of moving parts. But we had the juxtaposition of the latest earnings call, where for the quarter they reported um, a sizable profit of over forty three million dollars and that was followed later in the evening by the reports of another series of mass cuts 18 individuals affected by this latest round of cuts and and there's a lot to this there have been uh we're going to go through the names but i mean just um seeing this again way i think this is a repeated point that we have brought up is you know a generation ago it was typical that you know spring after WrestleMania, we'd see a wave of cuts and it was sort of, you get through that and you have the collective exhale that you got through those cuts and you're safe in this modern landscape of WWE. I don't think there's that, that collective breath of fresh air or just sigh of relief that you get through the cuts it can come at any time. Um, these had been rumored and it's, it's not contained to just one time of the year we have seen this over and over. This has been a pattern with an immense turnover this year of talent. Yeah, really. It feels like ever since, you know, the maybe what you would might classify as the Nikon era, this this has been pretty commonplace and no talent, no matter sort of what position on the card, um, necessarily has that ability to feel safe. It, it continues sort of what feels like it's, you know, the unloading of let's be honest, you know, what was a very bloated WWE roster and um Unfortunately, you know, this type of news feels all too commonplace these days. Uh, so let's go through the the, the names here uh, that were affected. I'm just going to read off the list and then maybe we can zero in on on a handful of them. Uh, Eva Marie, who we had not seen on TV for uh, several weeks and had not been drafted. Uh, Nia Jax, who had had the, the injury angle right off with Shayna Baszler a couple of weeks ago. Maybe the most prominent name of all of these, certainly in the upper tier. Karrion Cross, who had been brought up um, not handled very effectively in his call-up from NXT. I think that one uh, pretty universally panned. Keith Lee, um, interesting just in the fact that they had done all of this retooling of Keith Lee and had just put him back on Raw, um, getting cut. Scarlett Bordeaux, Ember Moon, 
Frankie Monet, B-Fab, part of Hit Row that had been called up to SmackDown, Grand Metalik and Lince Dorado. Uh, we had heard of the report of Grand Metalik requesting his release, and then the Observer adding Lince Dorado had also requested his release. So those ones uh, fall into that category. Uh, Jesse Kamea, Zeta Ramir, Trey Baxter, these more on the NXT side, Katrina Cortez, Jeet Rama, who was just on TV this past Tuesday, Mia Yim, Harry Smith, who had a dark match, the first SmackDown back on the road, and Oni Lorcan rounding out all of these cuts. So um, these cuts went deep way, and there were some certainly standout names, uh, including several that were at least on the cusp of a push or right in the midst of one. Absolutely. Yeah, I would say maybe among the more surprising is um to me you know somebody like bfab who seemed to really have a uh just was just on the precipice of something that i think was go- going to you know be a big deal for the main roster in hit row and for her to be a part of this crop doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense you know un- unless of course we have other circumstances that may show up um in the news but uh sh- she's a name that i think caught everybody by surprise um, you know, a name like, like Nia Jax seemed to be somebody who perhaps despite reputation or despite the audience's, um, thoughts on maybe her in-ring ability, like seemed to be somebody that this company was putting, keeping in a very high position and seemed to have, um, a very prominent role in that women's roster and seemed to, they, that, and that they seem to be quite happy with, you know, to, to continue to push her as much as they have. So, her departure is also a bit of a surprise. And again, maybe we can talk about some of the uh, rumored reasons for why that was. But of course, you know, I would say tugging on perhaps the heartstrings of maybe, you know, the the wrestling um, internet fan base is perhaps a name like Keith Lee, who from the moment he appeared, I think everybody saw all the great and incredible potential of him being a, a big name on that main roster. And maybe, you know, started with, I think a very bright glimmer of hope um, through some of those crossover interactions. But by the time he got on to to the show and then for the better part of the year, not being in action and then coming back as Bearcat, um, you know, it's it, 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 to, to say this, his abilities were squandered, I think would be a huge understatement. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Keith Lee and Karrion Cross are certainly ones that come to mind that once they made that, they had that call up period, it was, all right, we see potential here, but it's going to be in our vision. And it was just such a retooling of what worked with these individuals, what got them over at different levels, and a a complete square peg in a round hole kind of situation where it just seemed almost as though you, um, you almost want to create a completely different performer than what the foundation of the, of these guys are um, and playing to their strengths. It was creating I mean, I can imagine uh, a heavy frustration level on behalf of a Keith Lee who had to uh, go through all these, just forget just the major health issues he had this year, but on a creative level as well. um, It just seems like he was just constantly having to go through this retooling phase before they, they came to this, this conclusion. Um, Now we mentioned uh, certain reports that are out there that uh, while this does not apply to everyone, um, at least one of the the factors that affected some of these releases was vaccination status. And that's going to be a real issue when it comes to a touring company that is going to overseas markets. And if you are a performer that is unwilling to get vaccinated, 
that is going to go into the calculus of some of these cuts. Um, we cannot identify which ones this applies to. And I would certainly caution people to just, um, you know, make broad uh, generalizations about everyone on this list regarding that. But it is a factor that has been reported by multiple outlets as a reasoning and one that I had heard privately as well. Yeah, yeah. And one justification that I think is is quite understandable, you know, this is a company that makes its money by touring, um, that makes its money by having colleagues share very intimate proximity with one another. And you are not very valuable as an employee if you cannot be used for these reasons. So, you know, it's a, it's, it's, it's an unfortunate um, effect of, I think, um, what, what the rules are, but I, I also don't have a ton of sympathy uh, for, you know, people who I'm I'm sure have had plenty of, of warning about this. It's like, ultimately you are, you are free to make whatever decision you want about vaccinations. But if you are someone that this was a central factor and you no longer having employment here with, with the company, like, I, I think that's, that's certainly something that you have to be able to uh, accept that this is like, it is not a right that you are going to have those, those same options. Uh, not to say it's the same thing, but I mean, we're, we're in a province way where we just got back from having coffee, where we had to go in and in order to sit there, I had to prove my vaccination status. It is not my right that I can just walk into a place uh, unvaccinated. It's, this is the world we're living in. This is the new world that we are living in. And for a touring company, that that is going to be part of their thinking. And if you are another company that is looking at hiring some of these people, like how much does that weigh in, whether it be your fan base demanding that answer or you as a promotion of whether that's a liability you want to introduce into a locker room or not? We're also talking about a free agent market right now that is very full. Um, And, you know, when you don't have a shortage of people to to choose from, especially if you're the WWE, but even if you're a number two or number three company in the industry, uh, I mean, you know, it's certainly up to the policies of the, 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 the governing bodies uh, about, you know, around all of these different promotions. But um, if you're the WWE, I mean, it's, it's probably a risk that you don't need to take because nobody is indispensable. That's right. And again, I would be very cautious about just uh, grouping everybody together. People have different circumstances. And like, listen, this is a a company that has been in uh, cut mode for a prolonged period of time. And this seems to be an ongoing theme uh, of WWE's method of operation. And in some ways, it's you, you could certainly make the argument that the timing was as tone deaf as possible on the day of your quarterly earnings report on the other end of things, like it really does present to the public, the dichotomy of an earnings call that is just improving its guidance for the year because they are doing so successful. And one of their biggest themes is the marketing and uh, licensing of its intellectual property, that being its talent, its stars and its brands. While at the other end, all of these cuts that really just show this dichotomy that these are spokes in the wheel that we are going to be, there will be lots of turnover and we're always going to be churning out talent. And it just, it just shows you like the, the riches of one end and the others that 
are, you know, bearing the brunt to make certain numbers uh, click when it comes to these reports. Yeah. And to me, like the timing of these, I think deliberately sends a bit of a message, don't you think? It's either deliberate or just completely, you know, just something that they're completely apathetic to. Like the fact that both of these things follow each other pretty much within the hours. Um, there obviously was no concern about the optics of it. Like the idea of doing this within hours of, of one another. Um, mm-hmm. I, I just don't think it's something that, you know, it's not a mistake that this happened. It's like, it was enough that they, these cuts were going to happen today. And it so happens to be our earnings call where we're going to announce our $43.5 million quarter. Yeah, like, you know, the the, the rule, the, the justification internally is that these were done for budget cuts. And there's clearly no real reason to but cut budget when you've just kind of announced, you know, these great profits that you've you've just made for the quarter. But I think by budget it is we have a level. That we, we want, want to, to make more money exactly. next quarter. No, yes. under, it's understandable and it's business. And I suppose, you know, if they have any sort of con- concern for what PR looks like with messages like this, it's that everybody is ultimately part of a number, you know, and uh, we need to scrape the, scrape off this much in order to reach our goals for, for the next year. Um, but I, to me, like, you know, there's a certain human element that comes attached to all of this news that I suppose perhaps this company just doesn't really care too much about, you know, what people think. When you look at the overall landscape and there's certainly names here that, that jump out more than others um, that are going to be that, that was not the, uh, the, alert, Sorry about the, that. the post-wrestling earnings call and <laughs> uh, way, way getting his, uh, his call. Um, but when we're looking at the free agent market, I mean, this comes a week after the Ring of Honor news. I mean, it is a it, it is a glut of a free agency market. And like again, we talk about not everybody can go to AEW. This is an industry that I think is in great need of, of another company that can be a major outlet. And on the worldwide scene, like New Japan is fairly closed off. The UK isn't, you know, cannot support like full-time performers. And it's you know, it's got its um pandemic issues. Mexico isn't a big option as we speak. It's like there, there's a lot of supply and the demand is where fans are going to support other companies that are outside WWE and AEW on a large enough scale. Um, you know, there, there's independent bookings, there's your GCWs, there's, but I mean, it's, it, I, I could certainly see a lot of talent that maybe if this had happened two years ago, okay, I'm going to be fine. And there's lots of options. There's there's reason for concern of like not all these people are going to land on their feet. No doubt. Yeah. I mean, you know, lo- looking at the biggest names on this roster are, are of cuts, I several of them, I think, will can actually benefit from being outside of the system. And I'm looking at people like a Keith Lee. I'm looking at people like an Ember Moon. You know, I'm yes. looking at like a even a Grand Metalik and Lince Dorado, who I think would thrive outside of the system, who will actually do better. People like Trey Baxter might even be, you know, part of that. Mia Yim. I, I almost would be stunned if like if there's a constant that Brian Danielson would always bring up in interviews, he would always put over Grand Metalik that mm-hmm. I cannot imagine that they don't at least get a dark match together. Totally. Yeah. Um, you know, look at Ruby Soho, you know, somebody who was part of this uh a recent round of cuts and has now thriving and, and even like a Bobby fish, you know, there there's for, for many of these people, they will fit in perfectly in the ecosystem and will thrive in the current ecosystem. Some others aren't. And, you know, looking at previous lists of releases, 
many of those names don't necessarily have better positions. Some of them don't have any sort of position in the current industry. And that's just the unfortunate reality. Um, certainly full-time jobs in the, in the industry are going to be that much more tougher to come by. Maybe even f- jobs period uh, are going to be a bit tougher to come by. Um, that's very unfortunate. Um, you know, you bring up perhaps a need for another alternative out there. I think, you know, companies like Impact stand to benefit from, you know, if they can choose the right people to to fit into their system with the amount of attention that they've garnered from the WWE uh, could put some attention on them. You know, companies like MLW and, you know, seeing what this- those are the companies that I think you need to look like even an impact the way I mean, like they only have so much room and they it's it's one thing to just be a company that's got spots. It's also what expenses are we going to bring on bringing this new talent versus the fan base that grows with it. Uh, that's, that's going to be the thinking that goes into this. And, and like, how much there, of, how much of the wrestling fans attention can be grabbed anymore? Exactly. Is there the demand by the fan? Like certainly the talent is there to support another major company, but is there a fan base like ring of honor went on the road, like since this pandemic, when they held their pay-per-view didn't draw very well. I mean, they, they have, they have a great roster. They have great television and it, it's, it comes down to, how much product is out there that there's a fan base that can support more companies like new Japan has has felt that in this entire pandemic as well. Yeah, absolutely. You know, these are questions that I think will might be answered, you know, in in, in a a few months time, but unfortunately I, I don't know if this will be the end of stories like this. Um, As, as many people were, were released today by this company. I mean, I, I, I think this, this will be a continued regular occurrence. That we'll have to unfortunately cover. Yeah. Last thing on, on the cut, just in terms of the name, what do you see as a as a future for Nia Jax? She is 37, uh, someone that did not have a pro wrestling background before WWE. Um, that's that's an interesting one. Um, that is, you know, it, it's a question of what her future is in the industry. Absolutely. Yeah. Um she to me is one of the people that maybe stands to to lose the most from where she she's currently at within the WWE system to being outside of it. I look at her in a similar way to, you know, maybe like what 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 a Braun Strowman might be right now, where there might be some interest, but maybe the price tag is not necessarily enough to justify. And it, you know, especially in the case of Nia Jax, not necessarily a name that has really ingrained herself with the hardcore fan base that is going to be supporting people like a grand grand metal Met- or, you know, like a Keith Lee, who I think will fit perfectly in. Um, doesn't mean she won't find a, a place, you know, there, there could be companies out there that think of her as a worthwhile investment because she is a big name person uh, and you know, can look at Zack Ryder, dude, like any being creative with the rebranding can, can make somebody, um, completely refreshed. And I, I wouldn't completely count Nia Jax out, but the, va- anyway, not to implicate anybody, but you know, if the vaccination thing, um, is, is, you know, um, applies to her, that, that might also be a, a, another obstacle as well. All right. So we we have more up on the site on on the cuts and, and everything. And I'm sure we will be uh, getting into that a little later today because I will be joined by Brandon Thurston of WrestleNomics uh, with a reminder to post-wrestling listeners that WrestleNomics Radio debuts this Sunday night at postwrestling.com. But that takes us into uh, the third quarter earnings report, which uh, we won't go into too heavily because we are doing the show with Brandon later today. But it was a strong quarter for the company. Uh, revenue of 
$255.8 million uh, with a profit of just about $43.5 million. And some of the highlights were the return to live events where that became a very profitable sector, uh, making over $9 million in profit. This had been an area before the pandemic that was one that was um, a loser more often than not in the quarters leading up to the pandemic. So they they really touted a big return to live events, talking about their their new strategy towards pay-per-view events of making them feel like big special events, citing the stadiums that they have booked thus far for 2022. And the Q&A uh, was largely uh, consisting of Nick Khan uh, outlining a million ways this company is going to make money. Um, and they have a lot of deals um, on on the go. And one of the, well, two that he cited in, in I guess, the negotiation stage are that the, the re-airing rights for Raw. Currently, Hulu has the rights to the next day broadcast of Raw. And those will be coming up, he said, in the back half of 2022 and said that the negotiations would be intense and fun. Hmm. Two things that I imagine go into a Nikon negotiation, intense and fun for these, uh, these rights to the, the day after for Raw. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. I mean, yesterday was a terrible day, uh, I think, for the industry. But I mean, if you're, uh, if you're a Nikon fan, I mean, it, you know, in some ways, maybe I, it kind of feels like Christmas because he, he, at least, you know, from a financial standpoint, he keeps he keeps seemingly um, bearing good news uh, for the company's bottom line, looking all, at all these different potential sources of revenue that might not have had, you know, a ton of publicity. Um, and, you know, a conference call like that just kind of puts into light how many big things the company itself is doing, including these several stadium shows uh, over the course of the year. So uh, if you're, you know, an investor, I imagine this was, a, you know, a better day for you than it was for the roster. And then uh, the day after this uh, earnings call, uh, where Christina Salen was very present, uh, Christina Salen being their outgoing chief financial officer, it was announced this morning uh, that Frank A. Riddick III, who has been a board member for a long time, has been named a CFO and chief administrative officer who would will report directly to Vince McMahon. And uh, this is the role he will be succeeding Christina Salen, who is departing the company. This just over around a year or so since she had come into the company. This was around the summer of, of 2020 uh, that she came in. And I guess just, uh, you know, that, that's a major move. That's a significant executive role. And in the press release issued, Salen stated, I started at WWE during the global pandemic, and I am proud of what I accomplished with Vince's leadership and the tremendous team. We returned to live event touring, exceeded expectations, raised guidance for the year, and have laid a strong foundation for the future. I look forward to WWE's continued success. And Christina Salen is uh, out of here. Yeah, I look forward to seeing what you and Brennan will be able to say about this. But, um, you know, having her a part of, as part of the press release, I don't know if it's just simply a formality or not. But, like, it seems like she's leaving here in unamicable terms. Um, I guess we could speculate about whether or not it was her decision or or not. What do you think, John? I mean, it's it would certainly seem that, you know, a, a year into this, that that's a very short term for a CFO of such a, a major company that I would imagine that there was, there was some turbulence in there. 
Um, you know, it's, you're typically not going to see a lot of um, arrows thrown either side when it comes to uh, two sides going their, their separate ways. Um, Frank Riddick III, by the way, I, he was the interim CFO that was installed as kind of a Band-Aid when George Barrios and Michelle Wilson left. So it would seem that Frank Riddick is someone that they have uh, immense confidence in to kind of serve. I mean, in the past, he has served as a bridge. Um, he is not listed with an interim title here. He is being outright identified as its CFO and chief administrative officer. So um I mean, I'm led to believe like he will be, he is not just keeping a seat warm for a future candidate, but yeah, I I think certainly the fact that it was such a short term tells you that uh, one side was ultimately wanting to move in a different direction. Yeah. A lot of big moves uh, over the course of 24 hours. Uh, Just uh, as we close things off uh, tonight, the SmackDown tapings take place in Evansville, Indiana, and of note is that Johnny Gargano and Kyle O'Reilly are scheduled to have a dark match tonight, which is interesting on several fronts. Um, the first of which is the fact that we know of Gargano's contract status that is said to expire December 3rd, and earlier this week, PWInsider.com had reported that O'Reilly's contract also coming due in December. So uh, th- this is an interesting time for both of those men in their career and where it is going to take them if and I guess getting a look here and I would imagine like no decisions have ultimately been made on either side. Yeah. Um, you know, we've, we've heard about these NXT dark matches in the past. And to me, they often seem like ways for Vince to get an up close look at the roster members. And in the case of a Johnny Gargano and Kyle O'Reilly, I'm like, these people have headlined your show like for years. How much more do you need to see of them? Um, but I don't know, maybe this is something different, you know, maybe, maybe it's a chance who knows for them to have backstage meetings with the appropriate people that they don't normally get to talk to at the PC. Um, but, uh, the, the spotlight is on those two and, and several other names within the WWE, you know, whose contracts are reportedly due over the next several months about where they may go, what may happen. So, uh, it appears to be a big dark match for those two. I'm sure they'll kick ass doing it but um ultimately it's more so you know what happens behind the scenes that 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 you know um is it will be of most interest in the in the weeks to come and you could certainly look at this as almost an audition on both ends like certainly you know key people want to see them up up close at at the tapings at the same time if you're gargano and kyle o'reilly you're not in the youthful stage of your career you're in the the key years and it's and it's almost not, like you're not in the height requirement either for both well, of those guys. They, they would certainly fall under the the guidance of the outgoing regime at NXT and how it was presented. And if you're those two, it's almost like if you're not looking at a main roster call up, is there an incentive to stay with this company? Like th- their roles are pretty cast in the new NXT. They are the outgoing class. Even if there is a main roster call up on the horizon, is that incentive there? I think we can predict, you know, what we it's, it depends it's, on the person, because we, we sometimes discount the fact that it is security. And if that's what you're looking for out of the industry, this company represents it well, security. John? I, 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 I bite my tongue there because in theory, yes. Um, at the same time, it has never been more volatile for a talent um, to, to be on the main roster or, or an NXT for that matter. So yeah. you, you, it's not that security. However, it's it is the company you're most affiliated with. And yep. you're looking at an outside world that is 
like those would be two high names that I think you would feel would would more than land on their feet. Yeah, I don't doubt that, you know, much like Ciampa with Gargano, there's a great deal of loyalty to the NXT brand. I mean, more than anybody, those two names are most associated with that brand. And if there's anybody to position as sort of your franchise at this point, like what does even franchise mean? But as like sort of your locker room leaders there to kind of lead the next generation through the ranks, um, it's a name like Johnny Gargano. Like he, I mean, is the heartbeat, you know, no pun intended of of that company. So I sh- I'm sure there's a great deal of sentimentality. His wife is, a, a, of course, you know, a, an employee as well. Um, so there, that might be there to kind of keep him around if they can offer him some sort of role behind the scenes. But something tells me like he wants to wrestle and he wants to be a big star and recognized as a big star while, while doing it and making appropriate money. And, I think we we can all probably agree that, you know, his best chance is outside of the system. Last thing before we sign off, Dynamite on Wednesday night did 878,000 viewers, a 0.33 in the demo. Uh, Brandon Thurston noting 424,000, that rating uh, correlating to. Um, they were down this week, uh, 7% in viewers, 18% in 18 to 49 it was their their lowest figures for a wednesday night edition of dynamite throwing out those saturday episodes since july the 7th and i know a lot of people are going to look at the the time zone difference in the west coast and the pacific and mountain time zones that said we saw what they did last week and last week had the extra competition of going against the world series that this week did not so I look at this as a more disappointing number, given that the World Series was not a factor. They still went against the NBA, but that's significantly less competition. Uh, we had, you know, the challenge, Real Housewives that are always key ones on cable. But nonetheless, um, th- th- this was a low number for Dynamite, even taking into consideration the, you know, the expected decrease that is going to come with, with the time zone change and being live across the country. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, and if you're AEW at this point, I mean, you know, like one or two weeks, maybe aberrations. Um, but at some point, I, I, I do think you have to look at: is it a, is it an issue with the product? Is it an issue with the type of thing that you're doing beyond, you know, just um, time zone differences and being moved to different channels? What can they do to this specific show to help, uh, you know, continue whatever momentum that they managed to build with the Brian Danielson and CM Punk editions? Uh, um, uh, what is missing from the show that you know people are 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 not necessarily coming back for um and these are tough questions to ask cuz you know at least according to our little bubble people seem to be very pleased with the type of show that they've been presenting lately um so maybe these are questions you kind of have to ask outside of that bubble yeah and they are also going with the strategy for this week where nothing was announced for dynamite next week they're going to give out some matches tonight on rampage uh, from, which is a live show from St. Louis. And you know, that, that has been a staple of AEW from week one of plugging the next week and having seven days of at least a portion of the card that, that is out there and then sprinkling in other matches so that, I mean, you get very few surprises when you uh, tune into dynamite in le- at least in terms of matches, because pretty much they're all going to be promoted in advance. So we will have something coming out of tonight, but they did not use the full one week press for next week's dynamite, which is the go home episode before the pay-per-view. You know, a few days seems to be enough, like to, to at least, you know, drive the buzz and, and, and at least online, you know, for these shows. So um, 
I think at this point it's like there's so much every single week that like even a week in advance, I don't know how much people are anticipating, but tonight on Rampage Live, a live edition, we have Adam Cole versus John Silver, of course. CM Punk and Eddie Kingston are going to have a face-to-face. And Red Velvet will be taking on the bunny in the, in the TBS Women's Title Tournament. And Kate and I will be back for the Post Wrestling Cafe members tonight at 11.30 covering that show as well as SmackDown. So tune into all of that. That will be live for all members of the Post Wrestling Cafe. And then myself and Brandon Thurston will have a show up later today uh, going deep into the earnings call. We'll probably touch a lot on the cuts. Christina Salen outgoing in her role as CFO at WWE. Lots to dive into with Brandon Thurston. So uh, that is coming up. And quick look at this weekend, Saturday night, I will be back with Phil Chair Talk for a UFC 268 post show. Also dropping on Saturday is a long and winding Royal Road with WH Park and Jamesy, comeback personality of 2021 to the podcast world. And then Sunday night, of course, WrestleNomics Radio debuts here at Post Wrestling with Brandon and Chris. Quick plug for, again, our friends at the British Wrestling Experience. Martin Bushby has a very lengthy interview with Ref Pro promoter Andy Quilden. So uh, check out that right, that, that right now on the British Wrestling Experience feed. I'm sure you guys will really, really like it. And then, John, I think you and I will be back at some point Monday together to talk about Power Struggle. Is Correct. That right? Yes. We're going to hold off our discussion on Power Struggle until uh, Monday because it, it will be a weekend struggle for us to uh, work, work that one in. So Monday, we'll get our thoughts out on Power Struggle and whatever uh, latest news is coming out. And the final thing, I just want to give a big, uh, big shout out to our own Andrew Thompson, who I think every single time there have been these these cuts over the last year and a half, it's been his day on the site, and he did, uh, as always, a remarkable job covering all of the news in addition uh, to the cuts. It was a very busy day on Thursday. Give the man a subscribe yes. at his YouTube channel, Andrew the Thompson road to, The Road to 1,000. Andrew Thompson interviews on YouTube. The man works way too hard to uh, you know, not have uh, at least 1,000 subscribers, so he's currently at 729. Let's see if we can get it up to 800 by the end of next week. How about that? We, we dare you. We dare you Double to subscribe. All right, that that is it for us. Have a great weekend, folks, and we'll be back. By the time you snap your fingers, probably another show from each of us. Goodbye.